The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How are you now? How are you now? Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, your Montreal Canadiens lose by a score of 4-3 to three in a shootout to the Seattle Kraken. Settle down, Gizmo. My cat's flipping out over here. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 58 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs as in the Prize. I am Matt Drake. And I am a little bit pissed off, uh, just a little bit, and we'll, we'll get to that for sure. Um, this was, you know, the, the the Habs looked like the better team out of the two for most of that game. Um, very bad power play by the Montreal Canadiens for the most of that game. We'll get to that as well. Um, and very bad officiating. We'll get to that as well. Um, it just, you know, it, it kind of is what it is. Uh, they, they lose in a shootout. Um, they, these things happen. Uh, we expected to see some more losses before the end of this season, so uh, this is one of them. I didn't really expect them to lose to the Kraken. I, I thought this was a, a very winnable game for them, but uh, apparently not. Apparently not. So, what happened? Well, we get into the first period, and the first power play that the Montreal Canadiens had was pretty early in the first, and it looked very good. Honestly. It looked great. They were getting some great chances. Uh, Cole Caulfield, I think, had three shots on goal in the first 10 minutes of the game. Uh, two of them, I think, came on the power play, and they were high-danger scoring chances. They were very good. And I was thinking, all right, if, if we get some help from the refs tonight, this could be a blowout. Very not the case. Uh, the very second power play that the Montreal Canadiens got in that game was an absolute disaster. Samuel Montembeau tries to come out and play the puck after a Seattle Kraken odd man, uh, well, not really an odd man rush, but they got a rush uh, while killing a penalty. Chris Weidman, for whatever reason, does the laziest come across, comes across the crease, basically, picks up the puck from Montembeau, gets hit by Yanni Gourde, and the puck just goes into the net. Basically, Weidman put it into his own net. Uh, makes it one nothing for the Seattle Kraken. Not long after that, same fucking power play. The Habs get scored on again. This time, it's Mason Appleton beating Samuel Montembeau clean, but luckily, they go to review and they see that it was offside, and they say no goal, and so it remains one nothing, And that allowed for Michael Pizzetta to tie the game up. Gets it in the slot, goes skate to stick, fires it in, and makes it 1-1. Habs absolutely buzzing after that goal, trying to generate themselves a lead, but... A mere two minutes after Michael Pizzetta scored, Ryan Donato scores to make it 2-1, to one, and that is how the first period would end. 
Um, not what you were hoping for, especially considering that the Habs had far more uh, opportunities on the power play in that period. Um, the first one was good, but after that, they were just brutal. Just brutal. Second period is pretty much nothing. Virtually nothing happens. But late in the period, an absolute horseshit penalty call against Josh Anderson. There's a scrum in front of this Seattle Kraken net, and him and Kali Yarncroc are kind of like pushing at each other. And for whatever reason, the NHL officials decide to take only Anderson out of that scrum. Now, here's where I have to take a little pause uh, from my recap so I can talk about NHL officiating for a second. Um, Steve Dangle put out a video the other day. Steve Dangle, you may have heard of him, a Super Leafs fan, where he was talking about a game where the Leafs got absolutely jobbed against the Arizona Coyotes. And they did. Uh, I watched the end of that game right before the Arizona Coyotes scored their overtime goal to win the game. Uh, Austin Matthews was very clearly held, and they didn't call it. And in fact, they didn't call any penalties in that entire game except for one. And the one penalty they called was for a failed challenge. So basically, those refs watched that entire game and said there were no infractions, which, as we know, is like finding a unicorn. An NHL game with no penalties, that's a unicorn. It does not fucking exist. Uh, But apparently, those refs in that Leafs game found it. And Steve Dangle uh, made a video, and he was very, very upset with the refs, and with good reason. And this penalty call gives me very similar vibes. Now, I should note that that penalty call did not cost them the game. The Seattle Kraken did, in fact, score on the ensuing power play. Jared McCann would make it 3-1. to one. But of course, as you guys know, the, the game ended in a shootout. So the Habs did get back into it. And I'll get to those goals. I'll tell you what happened. But I want to pause here and I want to talk about this officiating because I noticed something during the game. In between the first and second period, they, they go to intermission, they go to the Hockey Night in Canada crew, and Ron McLean's sitting there talking about uh, the other night, the Avalanche also had a brutal game from the, uh, from the officials. And Nazem Kadri was sitting on the bench screaming at the officials. And Ron McLean, he, they replay that, and he goes, well, that's bad from Nazem Kadri because he's already on the hit list for the officials. And I go, well, Ron, what the fuck are you talking about? The problem is not players pointing out poor officiating. The problem is the poor officiating itself. And the fact that a well-known media personality can sit here and say that a player has a target on his back, I think that's the phrase he actually uses, that you already have a target on your back from the officials. The fact that a well-known media personality can say that on air confidently is a problem. Not the fact that a player is yelling about it on the bench. Like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. This league is a joke when it comes to officiating. I've brought this up before. I've written about this before. They should be forced to answer questions after games. Especially after games where they have controversial calls. Because it's not fair that they get to just sit there behind their anonymity pretending to be uh, unbiased when they're clearly not unbiased. We know there are certain players that they target. Clearly, Nazem Kadri is one of them. Brendan Gallagher is one of them. Josh Anderson is apparently one of them. If you look at that scrum with Callie Yarncroft, I mean, there's nothing there. There's no penalty there. I don't think either of them should have gotten a penalty, but if you're going to call a penalty, you have to call both. 
You can't just take Josh Anderson when they're pushing at each other. What you're saying there is either, well, Josh Anderson's stronger, so he's not allowed to push, or I, I don't know what you're saying. Honestly, it doesn't make any sense. But anyways, the Seattle Kraken score. They make it 3-1. to one. That could have had an impact on the game. Now, I do not in any sense want to suggest that that call is the reason that the Habs lost this game. Even if they lost in regulation, it wouldn't have been the reason that they lost this game. The reason that they would have lost this game is because they were fucking terrible on the power play. That would have been the main reason. Reason number two would have been an inability to convert on their chances at the other end. Philip Grubauer had a pretty good game. Uh, But anyways, the Habs did get back into this game. In the third period, very early on, Alexander Romanov gets a chance. He gets stopped, comes back to him at the point. He lets go a one-timer clapper. Top cheese makes it 3-2. to two. And then very late, about two minutes left on the clock, Nick Suzuki comes in on the right side, kind of throws it out front. Uh, he's looking for somebody to tap it in. And guess who taps it in? Adam Larson. He's a defenseman for the Seattle Kraken. And it's 3-3. Three, three, and we're going to overtime. The overtime sucked. Uh, so I'm not going to spend any time on that. Uh, it was one of the worst three-on-three overtimes I've ever seen. Uh, not... not super exciting there it seemed like they were both both teams were very tentative and um it, it wasn't it, it just wasn't the best three on three overtime i've ever seen and then we go to a shootout and we go to a very long shootout right first shooter for the montreal canadians ryan uh <laughs> rem pitlick he misses ryan donato he's up next he gets stopped cole caulfield he misses the net jordan eberly gets stopped nick suzuki he gets poke checked. Jared McCann, he gets stopped. Mike Hoffman gets stopped. Riley Sheehan gets stopped. Paul Byron gets stopped. Morgan Geeky misses the net. Joel Armia misses the net. Kelly Yarncroft gets stopped. Michael Pizzetta gets stopped. Marcus Johansson wins it in the seventh round. Fakes a shot, goes to the backhand, puts it in, and the Seattle Kraken win. Uh, I guess this is the second coming of the basement bowl because we got two teams that are in the running for Mr. Shane Wright here. So, um, congratulations to the Seattle Kraken. You're not getting Shane Wright. <laughs> the Habs might, though. They might. Um, d- despite their winning streak, uh, despite the fact they've been a lot better under Martin Saint-Louis, uh, they legitimately might end up with the first overall pick. As of right now, I, I believe they are last place in the NHL. I'm going to have to go double-check that. But, um, look... It's, it's it's looking like more and more they're going to get that opportunity. Or at the very least, they're going to have a high pick. So that's good news. They're playing better hockey, and they're going to have a high pick. Silver lining. This one's tough. I honestly... <laughs> I was watching that entire game, and I was like... You know, especially when it was 3-1, to one, I was like, who am I going to pick for the silver lining? Um, and I was tempted to go with Michael Pizzetta. Because he scored, obviously. But I'm going with Alexander Romanov. I'm going with Alexander Romanov because I feel like throughout this shit sandwich of a season, he's been getting better and better. And this goal was just a a culmination of him getting better and better. Of him playing better and better. I legitimately believe that he is a top four defenseman for the Montreal Canadiens of the future. And he might not be that right now. 
right? But you see him getting, you know, improving throughout the course of this season. And the fact that he's been improving, even when, I mean, Sham was the coach and they were in the pits of despair, you saw a lot of encouraging signs from him, right? And for him to get a little bit more offensively involved, I think is a big step towards him becoming that top four defenseman. Uh, so I don't know how long it's going to take, right? I don't know if it's going to be next year, the year after, where he becomes like a legitimate, like bona fide top four defenseman. But I think it's coming. And I think we see the signs of it. And I think that goal in particular was was a great encouraging sign in that direction. I mean, he took a puck that came off the boards and just one-timed it top cheese. It's a great shot. He has a very good shot. It's honestly underrated. A lot of people look at his game and they just see the hits, right? That That is the thing, and it's fair, because that's the thing that stands out the most, right? When you cross the blue line on his side, you have to have your head up, because he will hit you, and he hits very clean, and he hits his hits are beautiful. Honestly, I wish, I wish whoever taught him how to hit would teach everybody how to hit, because we would have a lot less dirty hits in the league. Not a dirty player. He just lands big clean hard hits and of course that's the thing that everybody notices in his game but you know that shot that shot is good he makes a good first pass he made a breakout pass that went across basically basically a three-line pass threw it up i think to joel armia and armia tapped it over to i forget who it was they didn't score on the play but it was a very nice exit pass from his own zone crossing three lines basically wild shit i legitimately believe he's going to be a top four defender and i think we're going to see that soon so he's your silver lining of the night then we have the opposite of the silver lining which is um, i don't i'm not even going to name it it's just (laughs) the power play sucks they have to fix that that's the number one thing that's ailing this team right now. If they had a better power play in that game, if every power play looked like the first one in the first period, they would have won that game. It never gets to overtime. It never gets to a shootout. So I think that's the number one thing that Martin Saint-Louis needs to think about is how do we make that better, right? And as far as I know, it's still uh, Alex Burrow's domain. So with that being said, I wonder, is he going to be back next year? I tend to think no. But I also tend to think that most of the coaching staff is probably getting fired at the end of the year. They haven't committed to that, and the the brass seemed to suggest that they were going to be leaving that decision up to Martin Saint-Louis, but I just don't see any of them coming back except for MSL. That's about it. I'm going to cut it off there. Uh, We're running uh, 15 minutes today. So, soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. We are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And we will see you after tomorrow night's game. So, it's a quick one. À la prochaine. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.